Welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast, where each week we talk about all things related to the world of learning and development, including facilitation, instructional design, sales enablement, and so much more. I'm your host, Sarah Canistra, and I'm an L&D strategist and career coach, and I'm here to take the guesswork out of becoming an L&D professional and show you how to unlock continued success in your learning and development career. I'm on a mission to quickly develop the next generation of L&D leaders who are looking to create meaningful and engaging learning experiences. So, if you're looking to transition into L&D for the first time, have found yourself accidentally in a training position, or are working up the ranks as an L&D professional already, you've come to the right place. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Overnight Trainer Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. If you celebrated Thanksgiving last week, I hope you had a restful holiday. Um, And if you didn't celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you had a restful week and a great week regardless. So really excited that you all are here. Have an amazing guest on the podcast today who I know you will absolutely love. And also excited because this week we kicked off the Nail Your Niche live workshop. So this is something that I do now once a year. This is the second annual Nail Your Niche live workshop, uh, where for two weeks straight, we spend every day together working on finding your niche. And your niche is the corner of L&D where you want to be, where you want to transition to, whether you're in L&D already and you're looking for your next move, whether you are new to L&D or trying to break into L&D, it is so important for you to have a niche. Your niche is your your intersection, right? It's your uh, skills, your interests, your values all wrapped into one uh, beautiful statement that tells the world exactly what it is you want to do next. So that just kicked off. I'm so excited. The group is epic and on fire. Um, it is also not too late to join. So if you are listening to this when this goes live, um, we still just r- kicked off the first module. So uh, you absolutely can still join us if you like. So feel free to DM me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email, hello at theovernighttrainer.com. Uh, if you're like, oh no, I want to hop in on this and you didn't hop in on it yet, uh, feel free to email me and, or DM me and we'll get you in to that. Um, before we get into today's episode though, I have to give a huge shout out to a handful of my Fast Track clients, uh, Margaret, Rebecca, Nate, Emily. They all have interviews coming up and I'm just so excited and I love to, obviously y'all know I love to celebrate my clients, but what's really exciting to me, I've used exciting a thousand times because I am very excited. <laughs> Um, But what I'm so excited about with them is that this just goes to show too that hiring doesn't slow down in the holidays, at least not in my world. I know a lot of people stop searching, they put it on a hold, they say, you know what, there's nothing out there, I'm just going to wait until January. Um, But I've noticed between last year and this year, well, actually, this is my third winter, my third holiday season in business, I've noticed that my clients tend to not only keep momentum going, but gain momentum because so many other people are saying, oh, I'll just put it on the back burner or no one hires during the holidays. It's such a myth. So uh, hell yeah, my clients are rocking it. (laughs) Um, And Fast Track is going to be changing soon. So uh, I'm so, I'm just so thrilled and in love with the program. It's 
just perfect in my opinion. Uh, the clients that are in it are just absolutely incredible and amazing. Um, but because it's growing so fast, uh, which is such a great problem to have, uh, it will be changing soon so I can accommodate more people. So there will be different tiers. There's going to be a tier that's just the program plus the monthly live Q&As. There's going to be a tier that's going to be the live uh, Q&As, the program, um, as well as daily access to our group chat, which is how the program is now. And then the final tier, the larger tier, will be access to all that plus one-on-one um, -on -one access to me as well. So there'll be three different tiers. Uh, but if you are interested in joining now before everything changes, uh, I absolutely encourage you to do that. The pricing will be going up on the access to the uh, group coaching as well as the one-on-one -on -one coaching. So if you are interested in that, uh, I would definitely hop on that now because it'll be changing probably in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you will see that change. So if you're interested in joining Fast Track, again, that program is to help you find, land, love your L&D role in 90 days or less, uh, which we already already had quite a few people do. Uh, come join us. Send me a DM. Shoot me an email. Hello at theovernighttrainer.com. We will get you all set up for that. If you've been waiting for your sign to say, hmm, I need that push to get in it. Now is the time because it will be changing in the next couple of weeks. All right, on to today's episode. I have Steve Gilman on the pod today. So Steve, he is just the like one of the coolest people I've ever talked to. Uh, and he's the founder of One Range, which is a professional development platform, which just saying that out loud does not give them the credit that this platform is due. I, I had a demo with them. Uh, their team walked me through it and Holy macaroni, this platform is such a game changer and so needed in our industry. So Steve is the founder of this incredible platform called One Range. He's an entrepreneur. He's a business owner. Um, he graduated from Columbia Business School in 2015. He founded a company called Block Party, which was a sports entertainment company focused on the college tailgating experience. Uh, but during the pandemic, like many others, um, his company was affected by social distancing and the canceling of of public events. So at the end of 2020, he moved back to New York City and he started One Range. And like I said, One Range One Range is an early stage workforce development tech company. They are all about revolutionizing professional development and, and really re redefining it. So our our chat today was just so I always love chatting with people in the space, especially in the tech space because uh, it's just so forward thinking. And y'all know that that's, that's the vibe that I take here. And that's the goal of the overnight trainer is, you know, how can we continue to bring more forward thinking leaders and learning professionals into this industry and keep us going. And Steve is absolutely one of those. And he has shaken up the industry. And I am so excited to, to watch to watch One Range unfold. Um, also, before I get into the interview today, if you are an L&D decision maker, so someone on the L&D team, and you're looking to take your professional development to the next level, Steve does have a very special gift for the first 10 listeners who are in that position to book a demo with his team. He's going to send you the top trending book in the One Range marketplace. So um, you can definitely reach out to Steve. His All his contact information is in the show notes below, um, as well as uh, at the end of the show, he gives you all the information to connect with him. So enjoy this episode with Steve Gilman of One Range. All right, Steve, welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast. How are you? Hey, good. I'm doing I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I'm yeah. Sorry. Super excited to have you. I know we connected um, over LinkedIn, you know, where all relationships come from now. Uh, and I was so excited to have you on the podcast because, well, for lots of reasons, but 
you have an incredible, incredible platform and product that I know we'll talk probably all about uh, throughout today, but you also have a really interesting and expansive background. So I saw you went to school for like mechanical engineering. You spent time playing professional baseball. You founded another tech company from a hospitality perspective, um, done some entrepreneurship consulting, and now you are the founder of One Range, uh, which is all around workforce development. Uh, I also saw you serve in the Navy too. So I don't know, really understand how you have time to do all of this, um, but I would love for our listeners to hear a little bit about you, your journey through everything I just, uh, just spelled out there and really how you ended up in the talent development tech space and really what drew you there. So who are you? Tell us a little bit more about you. Hey, thanks, Sarah. Yeah. Um, throughout everything I've done, I've been labeled as kind of non-traditional when you group it all together. Um, my resume on paper would weave together a bunch of very unrelated careers. Um, I've been fortunate enough to, to spend time with each, uh, they've all culminated into, um, one range, my current company, talent development, empowering, um, others, empowering employees specifically. Um, I'll do my best to kind of weave it together. So yeah, I'm, I'm a recovering mechanical engineer, recovering professional baseball player. Right. That means I play softball on the weekends every once in a while. <laughs> um, I'm a recovering intelligence officer, partially because I'm still in the reserves and I serve on weekends. Um, but really, the, the culmination is um, I love entrepreneurship, starting businesses and um, kind of the, the long of it is or, or the, the, the short piece of it is that um, when I was about five or six years into my career after undergrad, um, I had an amazing opportunity to apply to business school to kind of reset what I wanted to do. I used full-time business school to, to figure out what else was out there in life outside of the government work I'd done outside of baseball and some engineering project management that I had done. Um, in the time between when you get into school and when you go, especially if you apply early, you have about 10 months to explore whatever you want. Now, I had a full-time job working for an intelligence agency with the government. And I was going to do that as long as I possibly could, but I had 10 months to explore whatever I wanted. I found myself getting into, um, empowering other people that I worked with, uh, mostly my friends, but a lot of junior officers and what functionally happened. I didn't get paid more for it, but I became a special advisor to human resources. Um, and I was able to change some promotion policies for the 17,000 members of the agency. Um, and when I look back at my time, because I eventually went and left to go to business school, that's the most impact that I could have had on that agency. It, outside my normal day job, outside of what my mission normally was, but I was just drawn to that and it was something that I could do. So I changed things for the better for those around me so they could make an impact. So yada, 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 I go to business school, I find myself in entrepreneurship, realize that I love learning. Um, I don't think there's there's many places you know, you can, you can learn more in a single day than an entrepreneurship about life, about skills and business and everything else. And after I wrapped that up, um, about two years ago, um, started to ideate on the next concept I got with my co-founder and CTO, Hutan Fanasalik. Um, and we started to put together how our lives came together and what we'd be passionate about for the next 20 years. So the short story is I took everything that I knew about empowering employees um, whether I was in a large organization, whether I was running my own organization and matched it up with my passion, which is learning and figured, hey, if we can help people learn 
upskill, reskill, and get to where they want to be faster, that makes me feel like I've had a big impact, right? Because leaders create other leaders. And so um, we created a technology company around that. And I'm effectively coming into talent development um, and doing what I can to empower everybody, the admins, the managers, the employees, um, to see how much of an impact we can actually make. That's incredible. And that's, it's one of the things that uh, always fascinates me around learning and development and talent development in general is that it's such a culmination of transferable skills and a culmination of experiences. And so, you know, when you talk about having that more non-traditional experience, I feel like non-traditional is like the, like the, the new way. And it's the new traditional almost because we all bring so many different skills, capabilities, experiences with us that are that create this more unique sense because all of our learners are unique, right? So it's like, to me, that actually ends up becoming the the new way of doing things as well. And so it's, uh, and that doesn't surprise me that such a forward thinking platform that you're creating that you had that more non-traditional experience because a lot of that really great forward thinkingness comes from that as well. So uh, the, kind of speaking of traditional too, though, when you think about you know, the way things have always been done in learning and development and that more traditional way versus what employees actually want and need. Where have you seen, whether it's in your you know experience or now here, you know, from a, a technology perspective, where have you seen the biggest disconnects? Yeah, it, it, it's a great question. Um, we talk about this a lot amongst our partners, our customers, even internally trying to formulate um learning and development and how it's been improving over the years, but what we can really do to take it to the next level, right? Or as we call next generation learning and development, um, the way that we see it, there's two distinct parts of the L&D function, all right? And this is coming at it from our our outside perspective um, and doing what we can to help. So our mission is to functionally push forward professional development, help people get to where they want to go quicker. Learning development, there's so many different pieces. There's two large ones. There's corporate training and there's professional development. Um, corporate training is more of the operational training, onboarding training, um, compliance training, usually served by an LMS. What we do is professional development. That's also what 98% of people say they participated with last year, although it wasn't structured. And 86% of employees say they want more support in. It's actually professional development, not the core training aspect. Um, we define professional development as strategic upskilling, right? So you might have to take some effort to apply it to your job. It may not be here now. Individual, because everybody has different goals, different exploratory pathways. Um, and, and it comes from external providers. So it's not all done internally. And so when we look at where L&D budgets go and what the market looks like, Unless there's budget and effort focused towards true professional development, everything's going to go towards the compliance and operational training, uh, right? Towards, towards software that enables that. And that's um, uh, needed in companies as it goes. It's kind of the easiest way to say it, right? But it's not making that experience better is not necessarily what people are asking for. They're asking for the professional development side of things. And so if there's no bifurcation in a company that kind of looks at those two, it gets grouped in and traditionally it's all gone towards the operational training. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I, I personally seen that happen myself too. And I, I love the distinction you make too between corporate training and professional development and how they are different. And, and one thing I actually wrote it down 
that that really stood out to me too was how important the external is. And I think as learning and development, what I'm seeing this is a bold statement I'm about to make, but is almost that the 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 content creation and the instructional design, all of that is dying. I think inside of uh, you know of of non traditional learning and development and moving in this direction of forward more forward thinking because we can't keep up with the demand and with what our learners actually want, which is professional development. I I can't as a as a, a creator I can't create for 17,000 people, but the internet can, right? Like, you know, like yeah. it, it's out there. And so I, I'm seeing so much more around that content curation versus creation. And it sounds like you all bring that in to really allow people to develop themselves and to really focus on their own professional development. Yeah. I, I, we're going to agree so much over the course of this, <laughs> this time, Sarah, it's, it's, and I had a feeling we would, but, um, it's interesting. So there's a few different trends coming together, right? There's a focus on empowering employees, especially mm -hmm. as they're remote and hybrid. Um, there's a focus on making sure you attract, retain, and grow in a tight labor market, especially the the hard technical skills, which are really hard to replace and recruit for. Um, there's also a huge, huge amount of new upskilling providers coming to the market. So to ask someone internally to put together training that's going to fit everyone's needs, preferences, time formats, desires, right? Because there's different times throughout your continuous learning education, you want different things that are going to match up with something that has a little bit of scale, like a, um, like a, like a provider. I saw a new one the other day, Wilco, a great engineering coding based provider. Um, they do it at scale for thousands of people, right? Hundreds of companies. And so bring that into your company. And, and I, I know we'll get into some of this later, but I'm excited for that. Most of the people, when they answer questions about professional development, talk about it being outside of their company. And it doesn't even have to be paid. Articles, blogs, podcasts can help you professionally and personally develop. It doesn't mean it has to be paid for, but it, it doesn't usually come internally. Yeah. And so like it's providing, I think it's also providing the time and the space for people to, to develop themselves professionally inside of work too. And, and one of the things you, you utilize this term, uh, professional development investments, you call them PDIs. So what, what are those? And really, what is your reasoning behind calling them professional development investments over, I've heard professional development plans. Why are you choosing the word investments? I feel like there's some intention behind that. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate you, you looking into that. It's, um, it's different, uh, than, than what you'd see out there and, and there's good reason for it. So, um, we try to come up with an easy term that gives an annualized sum of money for someone to invest in themselves, right? But when you look at it, what we're trying to do is give someone ownership and choice, and they are investing in their self through, through our platform, right? And with approval from the company. So we went through something like a stipend, which has been a huge piece of the conversation, especially with the last few years, not just in education, but in anything Stipends are often correlated with some type of benefit. Cool. Learning is a benefit, but this is true upskilling. So what's the next word we look at? Budget. Awesome. But budget to an employee makes it seem highly controlled by the company. Ultimately, PDI or, or the investment portion of it symbolizes a win-win, which means the more the company deploys into their people on a pay-as-you-go model, the more that people are upskilling and the more we're aligning everyone's goals. We've never had a customer come in and say, 
I'm trying to spend the least amount of money on all of my people. The goals are always to spend more in the most effective format. So it's a true investment. Every dollar out, you're going to get more upskilled, happier employees um, on the other piece of it. The plans piece that you bring up is is interesting because it's in um, it's in what we do. Um, plans, pathways, these different types of things are often between employees, managers, divisions, functionally where you are, seniority levels. Um, and we do that, but it's inside the system and it's not really correlated to like the the PDI. It's um it's just kind of a pathway so that you have recommended tools pre-approved by your company that you can take without extra workflow um, elements to it. Yeah. I just I I had a feeling that word investments was intentional and it sounds like it it was because it really it shows that it's the organization's investment in you as an employee, but also then you get to then take that money and invest it into yourself and your own growth and development too. So I just really, I've not, not hear, heard that utilized in professional development and it really, I'm very big into semantics and the way things are, things are, are named and it, it really stood out to me too, because learning and education is an investment and, and to your point, you will see the return on those. So we are kind of talking about a couple of these too earlier, but we've seen a lot of like fancy tech platforms really hit the L&D scene the last few years, right? So lots of learning experience platforms and, you know, there's talent marketplaces and all of these things. So a lot of them make really big promises, uh, but what's implemented, what I've personally seen and experienced is that it's still a challenge for many L&D professionals to see increased engagement inside their platform. So they throw... 10, 20, $100,000 in a new platform and they implement it and no one uses it. So why do you think that is and how do we change that? Yeah, I think um, one piece has to do with how companies, um, right? Like vendors are kind of structured and what they're aiming for. The other piece just has to do with learning and I'll, I'll kind of address both. Um, the, the first is that uh, software companies engagement platforms are always, 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 and we're, we're not different from this, but there's always a wave of new innovation that comes with a business model to solve a problem for the buyer. The buyer in our case, as well as other vendors, is usually going to be a people operations or learning and development person. We need to deliver a business case for them to show their manager to adopt the software, right? And then from there, it's actually hard to remove software over the years, right? And make changes. So that's the first place that most groups put all their effort. The actual um, uh, utilization of the product, and in this case, learning, where people are not just spending time um, and money, but like their resources, right? Their, their, their ability to have that um, has to be dealt with first. And so we're a, you know, our, our combatant to this is we're a tech company first. We're a data science uh, company first and we're product first because we're here to help people upskill. Just because it has an ROI from the company doesn't mean that our product can be any less than if we were working with individuals on a case-by-case -case basis. All of our stuff is sponsored by the company. Um, and so that's the first thing. If, if you're in the vendor world, you're going to hear a lot of business cases. It doesn't mean that you're going to hit all of those cases. In fact, customers are different too, right? With ways they utilize and things like that. So you have to be technology first and product first, even though you're selling into a company. The other piece um, that has to do with engagement with LMSs and LXPs 
um, has to do with the ability to multi-home, right? So you can't expect one platform. Let's take a wildly popular one, Udemy. You can't expect one platform with one type of video format to address what everybody wants, um, maybe for a short period of time, but not over a career, right? It's not some people's preferences. LinkedIn Learning is a great platform, um, but they're never going to serve engineers. So to have a single source platform tossed into your company, there's no way you're going to get everyone to interact with it. And that's why we believe in ownership choice and kind of an aggregation model. Um, the other piece is what we talked about between corporate learning and professional development. You can't skew the two, two employees. Um, we work alongside LMSs. Um, meaning when an employee logs into our system, they know it's professional development investment for their benefit and for the company's benefit. When you log into an LMS, you know you're going to get some operational training, product training, work function training, compliance training, and things like that. And those two need to be separated. I've seen kind of a intermix of those. Um, and of course, you're going to go back to serving the company as opposed to the employees and, and not see the utilization and engagement you're looking for. So we're doing our best to separate those. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, this is not a pre-planned question, um, but I was going to ask, what what is your advice for people who are currently combining them right now? I mean, obviously, get one range, but uh, <laughs> but like what? <laughs> that's obviously the, the the quick response there. But you know, if if that's something they're they're sitting here listening to this and they're like, oh shit, like I I'm combining corporate training and professional development right now. What's like the first step for them to start to separate that out? Sure. So um, what I do as an entrepreneur is no different than what I think you should do as a L&D expert internally to your company. So we go out and we find the disconnects between what the buyer, right? Someone in L&D or, or an executive is going to bite off and what the employees actually believe. And there's survey tools and there's all these things, but it doesn't take that many conversations to know how people feel about the learning culture and the tool that you have. Um, Let's take Cornerstone. It's a big LMS. Mm -hmm. It's a great company. They've been around for a while. Um, they start with the compliance operational training, um, and they brought in some other good providers that people can electively use, but they don't see the engagement they want. That's a big example of believing Cornerstone is going to help you with everything. As soon as you ask your first, second, third, fourth employee whether they believe Cornerstone stands for their their upskilling or whether it's the company pushing learning on them, you're going to get your answer. Yeah. Right. And so we're, we're doing a good job um, and, and happy to help and how to like bifurcate that or whether we could be a solution. But most of the time it just comes down to, Hey, Sarah, you've been here for three years. When we implemented this program, did you think it's because we were actually trying to invest in you? Or did you think we were just trying to make sure that all the trainings got completed? And what we've seen is there's usually a large disconnect between what the company believes they're investing in and what the employee believes is actually happening. The way you find it out at the end of the day, unfortunately, is through exit interviews. When one of the top three things an employee comes back with and says is, I didn't have enough career development opportunities, right? I didn't have the resources or, hey, I know we had a stipend, but I got it approved once and then my manager changed divisions and I didn't know how to get reimbursed and it was a bad experience, which has actually happened to me. Um, in the past. So if you're going to do the investment on professional development wise, budget for it, keep it separate. And when employees talk about that, they better be talking about the investment that the company is giving directly to them. That's what fosters commitment. 
Yeah, I love that. So, I mean, it just goes back to 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 basics of talking to your people. Right? I think it's it's kind of like the kiss of death when we think that as learning and development professionals that we're doing it all right and doing it all right all the time. That uh, there really is a huge disconnect between what's often what we think is developing people professionally and what is actually was really corporate training and, and just impacting the the business too. So I think those are good, good steps for someone to start to start. And then of course, to call you to implement the one range. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, so we love this stuff. We also, you know, we, what do I wish when I was an employee of a large organization that I had someone define professional development for me in the way that yeah, we're that's our new role, right? Like that's, that's the role of L and D, right? Not just to create all this stuff and hope it sticks, but to to define what learning is in the organization, and that is corporate learning, professional development. Oh, I love that. Yeah, there's um, I was talking to a friend recently, um, and and you can tell real quick. Uh, talk to an employee of Deloitte. Deloitte does a great job with their people. It's a great training ground. I love the company. If you ask someone who's been there for three years if they have a professional development program. They'll kind of go back and forth and say, yeah, there's so many pieces. So well, tell me the first one that you took advantage of. Well, when I was promoted, I got sent to Deloitte University down in Texas. It's a great place. And I went through a week of training. I said, stop. I would call that operational training. That's the minimum requirements you need to do that job. It's really good training, but you only got there because you got promoted to get there. What else? And only when they come out with something like I was given a professional development stipend that I could use on whatever I want. Say, boom, okay, you had a professional development budget. Um, that's that's the start of a program because it's external, it's individual, and it's strategic because you could use it on on whatever you want. And that's how you kind of suss out, right? That there there hasn't been a definition and it's not clear to companies or employees yet. Um, but that's the huge opportunity for for you know uh L and D right now. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to us about the concept of a learning marketplace. So how how is that different? that we kind of already touched on this, but different than what's out there already um, for employees, even what's out there already technology-wise for L&D, but also what's out there already for technology, for employees to access even on their own. Yeah, absolutely. So we um, we drop um, a learning marketplace chock full of resources from tons of providers including any format because professional development comes in many formats, right? It's not all online courses. It's in person, it's conferences, it's podcasts, it's books um, and kind of everything in between. So when employee logs into our system, they'll see a variety of different formats, kind of looks like a Netflix or Spotify. We're making recommendations based on what other employees are successful with. So kind of the bottoms up approach, but effectively what we're solving the issue for um, is three things. Um, if you're within a company, the first is policy visibility. What's your company investing in you? When does it expire? When can I use it, right? If I want to go to a conference next March, but I need to buy it by December, can I use my budget on it? So we make that very visible. We work on companies to make sure that's implemented properly and we take care of it for them. The second is discovery. So what's the right resource from the right provider at the right time that I actually need and that I actually want? Right. So when everybody talks about like, hey, a lot of people started the course, but they didn't finish. Go ahead and let employees choose what course they want to do and the time duration um, and the format they want and watch them finish every single time. That's yeah. that's how it works. And so we're a discovery platform to make sure you have what you have and then administrative burden. So within a company, 
approval timelines. I mentioned when managers switch divisions, hey, keep emailing me here. Reimbursements, which is one of the tools that, that companies use to kind of deploy a learning stipend, is just not effective because we have so much technology, so it holds people back. Um, our platform takes care of all those pieces. You can multi-home, you can either find, add the resource that you know is gonna be great or use a recommendation that we have, and then we'll take care of the payments for you sponsored with company dollars. So never reach into your pocket. I think what's cool is if you look outside of companies, the, the bigger issue is there's no structure between graduation and retirement for knowledge workers. And so just because companies are sponsoring and doing this now doesn't mean that people who are not with a company or they're looking to reskill to get a new career couldn't use a platform like this. We help with discovery. We help get you your best tools so you can upskill quickly and efficiently. Um, and we make sure you have a record of it. So you don't just have to post it to LinkedIn, hope people see it, right? You actually have a record of, of what's going on. And, and those are the main things we're combating with the product. Yeah. So this is more of a question around, around the product. So are you saying then that people they don't have to go, go into their own pocket, that it's all just done through the system? That's correct. So companies that sign up with us actually pool um, a small uh, amount of money from their budget um, into an account they own that's actually used through a virtual card. And this is um, very high tech stuff when I talked about uh, needing to be like a technology company first. You can do everything right you can point someone to the best, the cheapest, the most efficient learning resource out there. But if they have to pull into their pocket, even for $10 for that Amazon book, there becomes issues with trust that I'm going to get paid on time. There become issues with time spent, um, making sure I get the reimbursements, making sure I'm emailing the right people. My manager told me to email finance to make sure budgets are available, stuff like that. And then the finance team. So it was actually born out of one of our customers early on where the CFO came into the room and said, hey, I don't mind putting a small amount of, of money into this pool if people can use it directly and use a virtual card pulling from our funding. That way people will use it and we remove the barrier of having people put it on their personal card. So That's there's an huge. piece to it. Yeah, um, and we've seen ever since we implemented it and built it up real quick, um, we've seen a huge spike in utilization, um, increased NPS scores and if the finance team from our customer doesn't have to talk to us about how much they're working, that's awesome, right? So it's professional development in the box with a little bit of a expense management platform and visibility into budget. Yeah, I mean, all, all I can also keep thinking about is just how that makes learning, how that democratizes learning so much more and, and makes learning so much more equitable because you know there are people who, regardless of whatever, whatever the situation is, might be living paycheck to paycheck and they can't. They, yes, the organization's giving them $1,000, but they can't front that money. And so yep. then, you know, that money has to go to childcare or that money has to go to paying their electric bill or whatever it is. And so learning now becomes not accessible because I don't have $1,000 of disposable income. I can't wait until my company reimburses me next paycheck or a month from now. Or I, I remember when I did my tuition reimbursement for my, my degree, I didn't get reimbursed until my grades came out. Yes. Right. So like okay. I was out several thousand dollars until then. And, and I had the means to do that, but there are lots of people from an, from an equity perspective. And so this, like I said, really democratizes learning and doesn't make it just so for people who are privileged in the organization who have extra disposable income that they can utilize it. Now it's everyone can utilize it because nothing's coming out of your wallet. I love that. 
Yeah. There, there's also, um, there's huge business cases to making sure someone can get the right tool approval and purchase it in under five clicks. Um, so you have a six figure salary engineer that needs to buy a $20 book on a new programming language or a new version of a programming language, which does happen, right? Cause people multi-home, so it's not all online courses. Engineers do it too. Um, the amount of time it would take that individual to upload a receipt, get their manager to reapprove it, wait for it and all the other pieces, you're actually going to save time in the money that you would normally pay that person. So inclusion, promote those who don't, who don't speak up normally and give them a platform to do it. And then also like, it's just good for business. And I, and I think, you know, the, the world knows that now, um, that those pieces have to get easier and easier. And there hasn't been a lot of technology applied to this before. So yeah. it's, it's pretty refreshing. I love that. And I think it goes to my next question to you, which is about empowering employees. So you, that's, a, that's a big part of your, your platform is to be able to empower empower employees through, through professional development. So why is that so important to our learning and organizational ecosystems? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. And I, um, I smile and I laugh a little bit because I think the, the, the groups that we're talking to and Sarah, whether it's on your, um, you know, your consulting side of the business or your LinkedIn content creation, um, who we're targeting to be the best fit for customers um, we're looking at knowledge workers for the most part um, that have an undergrad degree and are looking to build their career and, and continue to pursue some of these things. Um, the idea of empowering employees to do some of these things, um, I'm glad it's catching up to where it is, but we often joke, like, how could you let someone go through middle school, high school, choose their own college, pay for it, get their own degree? And then all of a sudden they stored out a corporation and they're not empowered to learn what they want. Right. And they're told to go buy their own book instead of just using company funds to do it. It's a really interesting concept that we kind of lose trust in, in that facet. And I think it's coming back. And I think with the remote work um, and hybrid work, um, top talents standing out um, kind of like, kind of like never before. And we're finding better ways to do it. But it's a crazy notion that we wouldn't empower employees before the old, uh, the old adage, which which I admit is not easy from the start. But um, you know, hire who you trust and trust who you hire. Um, if you bring someone on board, it's because you had a good recruiting process, and if they work out, it's because you did it right. Um, if it's not that way, you're not going to spend a lot of time not trusting someone to do what they want. The, the other trend we see is um, HR and L and D. Uh, when kind of polled, and I've been part of lots of focused groups, have loved the idea of tools that go direct to the employees. So because you're not in the same office, it's not, hey, deliver me the content or the best solution, and I'll go talk to people or message people about it. It's go directly to employees. Everybody has the same access to all these platforms. They can interact with their managers through software. Um, and so just hand down as much as you possibly can, because everyone you're working with is smart. Um, and if you're not, it's probably a recruiting function, not a, not a trust issue. Yeah. It's all, well, it goes back to the autonomy piece of it too, right? Allowing people to have autonomy over their own, their own learning. I mean, they're all adults here. We have autonomy over our own lives. So why, why, when we come to work, do we not get autonomy over our learning? That's it. So, so, you know, your, your job being a manager anywhere in the company is to give options not not to restrict options. And that's how you get um, folks that succeed. 
Yeah. So a lot of listeners of this podcast, about probably half of them, are newer to L&D or transitioning into L&D for the first time. What would you say, based on your experience and what you've seen, what is an old school kind of traditional L&D habit that they should avoid? Yeah, I'd like to actually go back to what you mentioned a little beforehand, um, which is the... um, putting together curriculum and, and doing a lot of things, putting a lot of things on your old, on your own shoulder as, as a professional in L and D. Sometimes there's the right time for it, but I'm of the mentality. And I think a lot of companies are now um, that you should be able to scale yourself. And what, what I mean by that is that if part of your job is to do um, manager training at your company, really hard to put together structured programs that satisfies everyone's needs at any given time and that be the only solution. Sometimes the best way to scale yourself and create those other leaders is to look for other solutions. Um, And I'll, you know, the benefit of having a scaled solution at the center of excellence, right, and using technology makes it all that much easier. But the best way to benefit your people may just be do that. So this, you know, there's a company I'm a huge fan of, um, called Hone, which does live training. Yeah. It's, it's scaled pretty worldwide. They have a great class on embracing diversity through inclusion. Their class is going to be way better than whatever I or a single L&D person can put together at the company because they do it for thousands of people, right? They're the center of excellence for that. And although it looks more expensive than what you could probably do internally, make a business case for, you're going to save time, energy, money, you're going to make people happier and you're going to create more leaders. And I think in terms of, of, of creating more impact in your company in that role, just look at what needs to be outsourced and, and what needs to truly, truly be did in, done internally because technology is moving faster than ever before. So there's tons of options out there. Yeah. I love that advice really. The, the, and the, the word center of excellence, right? Like go, go to the source of who, who does it best uh, and, and, rather than, I hate to say wasting, but wasting our time doing it in-house and trying to be the, the sole content creators. Why don't we go, go, go to the source, go to the source of the best information and utilize that and, and then be able to move on to the next thing because we don't have time to sit around and create a, a training program on that necessarily. So I really, I think that's really fantastic advice, especially, well, that's good advice for anyone who's an L&D, but especially those who are new to it to really really think about it when they're you know, give, given a topic to create on, or am I creating on this or should I go and go to that center of excellence? So, well, speaking, speaking to L&D leaders, so maybe new leaders or existing L&D leaders, what advice do you have for them on how to empower employees to own their own development? Yeah. Um, so I love, I love this question, right. In, in a specific functional role, like learning and development and professional growth, how is it done? I like to give the litmus test as like a people manager. Everything starts and ends with trust. If you don't have trust in the employees, in your workforce, right, in the managers to lead and set the examples for the effort, it's going to be really tough to go anywhere, right? And so so solve that first. Now, um, if you do have that, anything less than trust is harmful. So I'm a big proponent of um, giving resources to every individual, pushing it directly to them um, and letting the experts decide um, kind of what they want to learn. Now, when I say experts, learning is a very 
interesting pathway uh, because people learn differently. I've seen three people hired on the same day at the same company with the same job title, and they each choose, choose to learn different things at different times in different ways. Um, so let employees use their own tools, right? And, and empowering them means maybe when you see successes in that fashion, you promote it and, and you give good examples of what's going on. Um, the other piece is managers are always critical to professional development. Um, the, the little secret out there is that managers don't have a lot of time to be sourcing individual external learnings for their people. Um, even as they're working on our platform, managers aren't spending the most amount of time when I think a lot of learning development um, professionals do think that that means manager involvement. At the end of the day, um, they're in charge of so much. It's the individual that's working maybe a direct report to that manager that has to know what to do from themselves. Now they can source ideas, they can have conversations over a virtual or real water cooler about what they need next. And, and we promote that, but ultimately it comes from the bottom up. So empower your managers with time-saving, easy techniques that get them involved. Asking a manager to do more on something functional when they're probably already overburdened um, is not gonna help the case. So as part of employing, you know, empowering your workforce, make sure the managers have as easy as possible in the most effective way. And that's kind of been our learning um, over, over the past uh, past year or so. That's incredible. Yeah, I think that's really great advice to, to how do we how do we just make it easier for managers, right? The right. easier we make it for them, the easier it's going to be for, for them to for them to be engaged. And if they're engaged with it, their employees are going to be too. So I think that's really incredible advice. All right. I one question that I ask everyone who comes on the show, because you know it's all about our own professional development too. What are you personally learning right now? Ah, great question. So uh, much like the, the users on our platform, I'm a multi-homer, which means I can't do all online courses. I can't do all in person. I can't do all one format. So, um, I'm working on two things that I'm really excited right now. Uh, one is an executive ed course, um, taught at Columbia business school. It's around, um, negotiations and building, uh, value for, for both parties. Um, and that's a three-day seminar. So I have that wow. to look forward to it back to grad school. I love it. I'm fortunate <laughs> enough to be able to do it. Um, the other thing is I always have a book in my pocket for the subway or, or coffee shop, something like that. And right now I'm going through a series of books on DE&I. Um, it was actually something that came from users who kept asking for more DE&I resources. Um, and so what we initially did is found an article in Harvard Business Review that had a pack of four books and we put them into the system and we pre-approved them and people loved them, right? Because experts are, are saying these are the best pieces to go after. So I just ordered my book the other day to get started on this for, it's called Inclusion on Purpose. Um, oh. And I'm just looking forward to getting into it. A little bit of workforce management, culture, um, shifting trends and, and making sure that everybody um, has, has equality across the board. That's great. Uh, all right. So tell us a little bit more about your company and where people can connect with you, learn more information about you and also learn about OneRange. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. So um, effectively, we help people upskill and reskill so they can get further in their career faster than ever before. Um, we love talking professional development, whether you have a program um, already running or whether you need something out of the box. Um, and we work directly with businesses of all shapes, sizes, functions, um, geographic. So we're international as well. 
Um, and we empower employees and we help you do it. So we're making L&D people uh, look like heroes. We're making the employees love the company um, just that bit more and that we, we, we love working with companies that already have a good learning culture. You can find us at onerange.co. Um, and again, no matter where you are, we love talking professional development, right? We love learning and we'll do what we can to see if we help. We have the, uh, the data around how it's done best and we look forward to continuing uh, to grow in a very, very interesting time. Yeah, it's really, really exciting things that you all are doing over there. And I'm just so happy that you came on the show today. So many key takeaways. So thank you so much for for hopping on. I know this is just the beginning of a, a really awesome friendship and relationship that we got going on here. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to catching up soon, Sarah. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If it resonated with you in any way, please let me know by subscribing, liking, and leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you on how you're using these tools as well as what you want to hear more of. So connect with me on LinkedIn at Sarah Canistra, send me a DM, or email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next week, stay learning.